Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Church of the Rock Calgary. Good to be here. Good to be in your midst. And I give greetings to, I mean, Val and Ian aren't here, and neither the rest of the household, but they're going to be doing great at AMP in Regina area there. It's a great privilege to be here. Uh, it was uh, back in February that I was here last. I was able to minister in your midst, and we we're talking about the family then. But now the focus is, is uh, God's purpose for his house. And last week, Pastor Ian was talking about the church, and it's, it's God's dream, and it's his his desire. When I was here in February, I was talking about how God, why were we created? And in the midst of things, we were talking about the family and we're talking about the team and God building a team. But God created us to be a part of his team. He created us not just so that we're his minions that he does. He actually created us so that we could enjoy working together with him and him working through us that we're part of his team. And I want to continue that theme today because I'm going to be talking about the spirit of the house. And so Right up there, it says the spirit of the house. Exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, my goal, I've got four points in my goal. It's going to come right up here. My goal is that through this message, first of all, I want to stir you up. I want to get you excited about the fact that God wants to work through you. Secondly, I want to deal with some obstacles because when we start talking about God working through your life, obstacles come to mind. Well, you know, it's good for you, but not for me. Then the third thing I want to do is how do we hear God? Because if we can't hear God, if we can't hear his voice, then we're not going to be energized to be effective in what God wants us to do. And then the fourth thing I want to do, just at the very end, just a couple more, I want to release you to start ministering out in the community and around it. So the first thing I want to do is I want to stir you up. If you were to look in the scriptures, you would, you would see that, uh, that Jesus speaks, and he says in John chapter 14, it's not on your notes up here, John chapter 14, verse 12, but he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus, you know, if you read through the Gospels, you say, wow, Jesus raised the dead. He, he healed the blind and the deaf, and he took the lame, and they're walking. Wow. And Jesus then says, even greater works will you do if you believe in me. And there's something that he sets in front of his disciples. He says, you know, see all that, but look what's ahead. See all what I've done? Yeah, but look ahead. And you might be saying, well, I see what he's done. Uh, I see what he's done. And it was nice. But are you looking ahead, anticipating the greater works will you do? It's like greater works. I mean, I'm not even raising anybody from the dead. What, what greater things? I'm, uh, greater works. Maybe, maybe not. That, I mean, what is greater than walking on water, turning water into wine, and, and raising the What greater things could there be? Maybe it's greater in number. Instead of one person ministering for three years, maybe there's a group of 100 ministering for 40 years. Greater in number. And he's saying, I've got something for you. And many times though, we are looking back and say, oh, if only Jesus could be with me, it would be so nice. But he's saying, no, I've got something for you. 
He sets it before the disciples. And then when we read through the book of Acts, we see that there was something that was pushing the disciples on. They weren't just saying, oh, it was so nice when I could lead my head on Jesus. They were moving on, anticipating that God was going to be working through them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Pastor uh, Ian talked about this last week. Talked about how the, it says in Acts 1, Jesus is speaking to the disciples just before he ascends into heaven. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses to, for me, both in Jerusalem and Judea, and Samar Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And there's, there's three things that he, said, he talks about that are in the future indicative tense. And I don't know if you know much about grammar. But the future indicative, the indicative tense is always used when there's a, a fact, an absolute fact. So if I said to you, I'm standing in front of you today, that would be in the indicative tense. That's an absolute fact. There's a certainty that I'm, I'm right here. You might not think I am. I'm not, you know, I'm not an illusion. I'm actually right here. That's a fact. If I said, I had coffee today, I drank coffee right in here. I just put my cup over there. That's a fact. That would be in the indicative tense. That's a fact. It's an absolute thing. It's a certainty. I had coffee, not just here. I also had it at, at Randy and, and Bonnie's house. I had two cups of coffee. That's a fact. That's the indicative tense. And when Jesus speaks, he says, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you are going to be witnesses for me, that's in the future indicative tense. He says, he is speaking, he says, it's not a, well, I hope you get power. Maybe you'll get a little bit of power. Maybe. He says, this is in the indicative tense. This is a fact. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. His power will be upon you and you are going to be witnesses. You say, oh, he says, I am gonna, you are going to be witnesses. This is a fact. And he speaks it in the indicative tense. And he says, this is an absolute fact. My power is going to be upon you. Well, I don't feel any power. He says, it's going to be upon you. Well, I don't think I'm going to be very good. You are going to be witnesses for me. He speaks with that certainty. And then uh, Paul then says, and this is, this is the point, the scripture for this point. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes to Timothy at the end of Paul's ministry. And Timothy is taking over from Paul's ministry. And he says, for this reason, I think this should be up here. There it is, right there. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for the spirit God gave does not make us timid doesn't make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline he says I want you to fan into flame some versions say stir up the gift that God's given to you. You see, Acts chapter 1 says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit. Now he says, I want you to stir up the gift. He says, there's something that I want you to start to stir up. And what is he, what's, what's he asking you to stir up? Well, what gift does he give you? He gives you lots of gifts. But one of the gifts is the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter's speaking to the Jews in Jerusalem. He says, this gift is available to you. And to you and to your children and your children's children, as many as the Lord calls. And Peter, Paul speaks to Timothy, says, stir up the gift. Wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are in your excitement and enthusiasm or non-excitement or enthusiasm, he says, stir up the gift. 
There's something that God wants to do through you. And that might be stir up your prayer life. Come on, start to pray a little bit more. We were here early. Some of you were here. Some of you were praying. Some of you were setting up this. Some of you are getting here. I'm glad you're here. But stir up the gift of prayer. Stir up your devotion life. Your reading of the scriptures. But stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so in the 50 days uh, last Last fall, I guess you took the 50 days and the Holy Spirit. You, you found out about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's some things that you need to stir up. I need to constantly keep reminding myself, stir up. Come on, Keith, stir up the gifts. Come on, stir up. I can come to services, and I am just lost, and I'm just enjoying singing the songs. And sometimes when I'm singing the songs, I'm thinking, well, after service, I'm going to go to the park. We're going to have a barbecue meet to make sure I get this. And, you know, you do two things at once, you know. And then, then all of a sudden, wait a second. I should stir up a gift. I should stir up a gift. I, it's, it's fine for me to be engaging with God, but I need to stir up the gift. Like maybe stir up the gift of prophecy. Maybe there's something that God wants to speak to his people or to that person, but if I don't stir that up, it's not going to happen. Well, maybe it will from somebody else, but if they don't stir it up, nothing happens. And sometimes I have to stir it up. Sometimes my uh, pastor Mark, you know, he'll come up to me and says, well, Keith, you got a prophetic word. And I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm thinking about the picnic after church. should be singing the song at least, but I'm thinking about the picnic. i got to stir this up. But sometimes, you know, prophecy is when we're hearing from God, sensing something, the heart and the nature of God that he wants to say to somebody else that's essential for them. Okay, so, you know, sometimes we have to stir up the gift. We have to say, okay, there's the gift of, of a prophecy maybe where I'm going to press in and let God uh, speak to me, maybe in a word of wisdom. You see, and what was I doing there? Well, some of that was uh, words of knowledge, first of all. I didn't, I don't know any of these people. Was that relevant to you, by the way? Made sense, did it make sense to you? Your husband says yes. <laughs> it wasn't even over you. And what about for yourself? That... That applies to you? Okay, so that was knowledge. I, have no, I had no knowledge of these people's lives, but it was a word of knowledge. It was just a, a small little portion of knowledge. That, but then what do I do with that knowledge? Then I had to seek God and say at the same time as I'm speaking, what, what is it that, that, what's the knowledge, the wisdom, and what do they do with this situation? And God wants to give that to you. He wants you to start to be able to function in that way, not always in a church service, but he wants you to function so that his power is working through all of you. He wants to work in the area of healing. There's some people right here. There's at least one person had a problem with their wrist. Just uh, is about you know, within the last two weeks, something's been happening in your wrist. And, and God wants to bring healing to your wrist. Who's, who's that person here? Okay. Anybody else? Back there? Okay. Father, come and bring your healing right now. Minister to these two people. Touch their wrists. Give full mobility with no pain or discomfort, oh God. Extend yourself to them. Thank you, Jesus. There's another person here who's got a pain right under here and right under the ribs here. It's been bothering them for, it's been a long time. It comes and goes. See back there? Anybody else? Yourself too. Three. Okay. Father, come with your healing these situations, oh God. Come minister now with your power, oh God. Amen. Now, for those people with your wrists, as I'm speaking, just move your wrists around a little bit. Just, I mean, how are you going to know if God touches and heals you if you don't move it? I don't know what you can do, you know, what you could do or couldn't do with that situation there, but just keep moving. And I hope I remember at the end, I'm going to ask you, 
if God's touched you. But God wants to bring healing to you. And what that means is you have to stir up the gift. And you have to expect that somehow God is going to work through you. It was about a week ago, it was about a month ago, actually. There's a lady that I know, Nina, and uh, she's not a believer. She was raised in the United Church and sometimes went to a Catholic church. And, and I see her about every month, uh, something like that. And so I saw Nina, and it just happened that I saw her in three consecutive days. And so I said to Nina, I said, how are you doing, Nina? And he says, oh, I got this toothache, and I got this migraine, and I went to the dentist, and they said they couldn't do anything with it. You have to come back next week. And, and so I said, oh, that's too bad. And then the next day, I saw her again. I says, well, how are you doing, Nina? How's your tooth? She said, oh, my tooth and my head. I can't think, and I can't do anything. I can't go to the job. And, just be... and so I said, well, that's too bad. And then I saw her the third day, and I thought, this is three days in a row. And I said, Nina, how's your jaw and, and your tooth and, and your head? And, and she said, oh, it's the same, Keith. It's not a any better and it's not till Friday this was Wednesday Friday I get to go to see the dentist and I'm hoping they could do something I think it might be an abscess tooth and but it's just this headache is the worst part you know, the jaw is one thing but there's a headache and, and so I thought okay um, what am I going to do here? And I, I said, well, I, I said, well, you know, Nina, I could pray for you. She said, oh, that'd be nice. And I know and she I think she thought I could, you know, I would pray later, you know, when I'm at going to bed, you know, now I lay me down to Jesus, I pray for Nina, you know, he, or something, you know, uh, uh, you know, you pray and you, I said, no, I could pray right now. She said, uh, well, well, okay. And, and so, I mean, like right now, she's like, so I said, yeah, like right now. So I prayed for her jaw and her headache. And, and then I asked a stupid question. I said, so how are you feeling right now? I mean, just move your jaw, how's your head and move around a little bit. And, and she said, I said, you know, is it any better or is it worse or is it the same? And she said, well, uh, it's about the same. I said, oh, great. Thanks, God. You know, so much for my witness, you know. So I said, I said, well, you know, I can pray again. You know, Jesus had to pray sometimes twice. I could pray again. I'll pray again. Is that all right? She said, oh, okay. So I prayed again. And at the end, I, I thought, well, I'm into this role. I might as well ask her again. How's it going? And she said, well, I, nothing any different. I said, well, I can pray a third time. She said, well, okay, if you want to. So I prayed a third time, and nothing was happening. I thought, oh, I'll give it one more try. I prayed a fourth time, and then I said, well, how's it going now? And she says, well, I think it's a little bit better. And I, I think she was being polite. You know, I, I kind of left that situation. I was thinking, oh, all right, well, Keith, that wasn't any good. You know, so much for my testimony about Jesus. You know, the power of God, you know, helping and ministering here. That was, a, you know, she was just trying to get me to quit praying because I mean four or five how long is this guy going to go and uh, there was a week later I, I saw her again and uh, and she just and she she came up to me and this was actually at her house I was actually seeing her at her house I had to uh, just situation I ended up at her house and be, not to see her but and uh, so she comes up to me she has her head down and she says Keith and she's trembling in her voice. She said, do you, do you think you could do something for me? And I'm thinking she wants to borrow money. <laughs> That's what Nina does. She borrows money. Uh, she, she said, could, could you do something for me? And I said, well, maybe. I said, she said, well, my sister's got cervical cancer. And then she said, you know, you prayed for me last week. And my headache went away completely. And it hasn't come back since then. Do you think you could pray for my sister with cervical cancer? 
And uh, I said, well, where is she? she? He said, well, sometimes she's out at Carmen, which is 30 miles out of the city. That's where she lives. But right now she's in the hospital, and she's done chemo, and there's no hope. The chemo's not doing anything. She's in palliative care right now. They're just trying to take care of the pain. She said, but, but you prayed for me last week. Do you think that, that you could pray for my sister? And I said, well, yes, let's pray for her right now. And I said, what's her name? She said, it's Aaron. So I prayed that God would touch her and take the cancer away and that God would take the pain from her. And I said, would it be all right if I visited with Aaron? If I could talk with her? She said, oh, that would be so great. Well, I said, could you talk to her and give permission? Now, Nina's not a believer yet. She's not a Christian. Her sister's not either. But there was an inroad there. When I started to pray, you know, after four times, and when I was finished the fourth time, I thought, I got nowhere here. I mean, this thing, thanks God. You got, what are you doing here? But, but God says, stir up the gift. Because we don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. And had I not seen her a week later, she would never, I wouldn't have known that God touched her head. But God was touching her head as a venue. So now, hopefully, I'll get to talk to, to Aaron and hopefully I'll be able to talk to her. I mean, her, her time is short. Aaron's time is short. She needs to know the Lord. But God calls us to be witnesses. He says, you are going to be witnesses. And my power is going to be upon you. But we need to be prepared to stir up the gift. That means when there's an opportunity, we're just like, well, you know, maybe it's not gonna, I'm not going to pray. That'd be too embarrassing. I mean, people from the office are right here. I'm going to, everybody else is here. I'm going to say, well, you know, God can heal you. And what happens if he doesn't? And I pray the second and the third and the fourth time, and he doesn't do anything. Who's embarrassed? I'm embarrassed. No, that's up to God. But am I prepared to stir up the gift and let God work through me if he chooses? And if he doesn't, that's his choice. But do I stir up the gift, letting him touch lives? So that's the first thing. I want to stir up the gifts. The second point is I want to kind of deal with some obstacles. Deal with obstacles. That's what it says right up there. We have obstacles sometimes, you know. And sometimes in the areas of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God working through us, sometimes, you know, we would say, well, well, well you, know, God, you know, God, I can't do anything. I, you know, who, I'm, who am I and what? And I feel that way too, by the way. I mean, I am so forgetful. I'm so stupid. Man, I, well, God, what could you do through me? And, you know, that's the truth. We actually can't do anything. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And so if you're feeling, well, I can't do that. I mean, that's, that's what Pastor Ian does. He prays for people, but I can't do that. And, and God would agree with you. You know what? That's true. You really can't do it. You can't do it on your own. But with him, when you realize he is with me, he can do great things. He can do great things. Without me, you can do nothing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29, it's on your screen there, coming up here. He says, uh, Paul is thinking, says, you brethren, you believers, do you think, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise. You weren't the wisest people, but God called you. He says, uh, continue, I'm reading from here because I don't have this in my notes. That's why I just wrote the scripture. Uh, not many of you were wise by human, by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish. You might think you're foolish. He called you. He wants to work through you. He called the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things. You might think, oh, I have no ability. He chose the weak people. 
the weak people, uh, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not. You say, I'm nothing. He chose those who are not anything or whatever, aren't strong, aren't wise, aren't smart, aren't, aren't wealthy. He chose you. Why? To nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You fit in all of those, quali- of all those negative ones. Well, at least I do. Maybe you don't, but I fit in all those negative ones. And I have to continue to remind myself, he's choosing me. Not because I'm great, but he's in me. And he wants to work through me so that he is glorified. See, we have, we have excuses. And we say, well, you know, you know, I... You know, I, I don't know how to do this, and I, I'm not very smart, and I don't have enough faith. I, you know, and I don't know enough, and I don't believe enough, and, 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 and I don't know how to speak. Well, those are all the excuses. Those are the, the foolish things, the weak things. And God says, you're the very person I want to work through so that who will get glorified? It'll be him. He will be honored. It's not about you. It's just so that he will then work. You say, well, I don't have enough faith. Well, it's just enough faith to step out and trust that he will do it. And when it doesn't work out, then you're still going to trust that he's there with you, even though you're a fool. And you seem like you're stupid. Had a church service. Well, I have lots of church services. But uh, one service, it was a Saturday night. And uh, in the service, I was doing the announcements. So during the announcements time, I just, I thought, I need to stir this up. So God, what do you want to say to the people here? And I found there's somebody here who has a problem with their throat. And there's been a pain in their throat. And God wants to bring healing to them. So just very similar to, by the way, how those people's wrist situation? How's your wrist? Mm-hmm. How's your wrist? So, so, okay. All right, well, God's going to continue, minister. Anyway, so I said there's somebody, somebody here who's got a problem with your throat. Who's the problem? Who's the person? Uh, you, you've gone to the doctor. you problem in your throat. Who's the person? No, this was a, well, God, can, God touched his throat too. Thank you, Lord. But this was a different situation. And uh, it was a Saturday night. And so I'm waiting there. And nobody says, puts up their hand. I said, well, where's the person with the throat problem? You, you've gone to the doctor. They don't know what to do with it. And, um, but God wants to bring healing to your throat. Who are you here? Nobody put up their hand. I said, you're here someplace. Where are you? And nobody put up their hand. I said, you're here someplace. Where are you? I'm looking. Nobody puts up their hand. I said, well, you know, God wants to minister to you. You might be missing out on what God wants to do. Went on with the announcements. At the end of the services, one of the leaders from the church comes up to me and says, well, Pastor Keith, you know, you said there's somebody with a problem with throat. And, and, you know, I've got this problem in my throat. He said, but I was too embarrassed to put up my hand. And, you know, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I'm thinking, you didn't want to embarrass yourself. I'm standing in front of the congregation and nobody puts up. Who looks like a fool? You didn't look like a fool. I looked like a fool. You didn't look like I'm the idiot who says there's somebody here. Nor are you. Nobody puts up their hand. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I was the one who was embarrassed. What are you doing? So would you pray for me? It's like, oh, you pray for yourself and you missed something. Bad attitude, I know. That's what I was thinking, but I said, okay, we'll pray and ask, you know, trust God, minister to you. Then there was another lady comes up, said, you know, I, you had, and I didn't want to put up my hand. It was just a sore throat. I'm not saying that you got cervical cancer, you got hemorrhoids. Show your hand if you got hemorrhoids. I didn't do that. It was just, don't put up your hands because you got a hemorrhoid. So, are you mocking me? Probably. 
Well, God, if you've got hemorrhoids, Lord, heal. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't doing anything. It was just a sore throat. You could just see, yeah, I got a sore throat. I need healing. And anyway, so these two people, I pray for them. I don't know if God healed them. Monday morning, this, is, this was bizarre. I mean, beyond my mind. Monday morning, in the middle of the morning, Mary phones up and says, Pastor Keith, Pastor Keith, Saturday night you said there was somebody who had a sore throat and they went to the doctor and, and God was going to bring healing to them. I said, yeah. I was waiting for her to say, you know, I was afraid to put my hand up. She said, well, well on, on Sunday, she's a teacher. She said, on Sunday, I got a sore throat. And this was Saturday night that I'd given this word. Sunday morning, she said, I got a sore throat. And then I remembered the night before there was a prophecy. And it said, you got a sore throat. And you went and saw the doctor. And so she said, oh, I need to go see a doctor. So she said, I went into a walk-in clinic. And the doctor examined my throat and said, you've got strep throat. She said, oh, what does that mean? She said, well, he said, the doctor said, well, you need to take some medication. And then the doctor said, why did you come to see me? And she said, well, because I was at a church service the night before, and they said somebody had a sore throat, and they went to see the doctor. And so I got a sore throat the next day, and I thought, well, I got to do my part. I need to go see a doctor. So I came to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, teachers, when they get strep throat, they just think, well, my throat's sore. It's going to be better tomorrow. And the next day is going to be better. And by the time they come to see me as a doctor, it's three or four days, and it's too late, and it's going to take a whole week before you get any change because then you're on meds. You've already lost your voice. It's gone through the down cycle. You're at the bottom. Then you have to. She said, nobody comes. The doctor said, nobody comes in just when they're starting. You came? Yep, because this prophet spoke in front of the congregation. Not prophet, it's not me, but anyway, God spoke and said I was supposed to go to the doctor. And she took the word, applied it. The doctor gave her meds. The next day she's back at school and she said, my throat is perfect. Now that was bizarre. I'm thinking, she didn't even have this situation, but God knew about it, spoke into it. She applied it to her situation and it brought life. The challenging thing is, who looked like a fool in front of the congregation? And nobody in the congregation saw this other leader coming up and saying, I was the one. That they would say, oh, yeah, this, you know, that, that, that justifies Pastor Keith. Now he's no longer a fool. Well, I still looked like a fool in their minds. Nobody ever saw that other person. And nobody got the phone call and heard about the phone call. On, you know. So in their minds, I'm still a fool. But am I prepared to say... I trust in Jesus. And it's not about what they think about me. It's about, I'm trying to just do what God wants me to do. And I trust in him. You might say, well, well, I don't have the gift. You see, Pastor Keith, you've got the gift of prophecy. And I don't have the gift. Paul says, stir up the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. And Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, earnestly desire the best gift gift. What's the best gift? The best gift is the one that's going to minister in that situation. You say, well, I just have the gift of prophecy. Well, you're coming to a person and they, they, they are in need of healing and say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I got the gift of prophecy. I can't do anything for you. Sorry. But Paul says, earnestly desire the best gift. What is the gift that they need? They need the gift of healing at that time. You say, well, I got the gift of healing. And this person is discouraged. Their life is falling apart. So I can't do anything. Sorry, I heal people, but I, I can't help your life because I, you know, 
They need the best gift, which is maybe a word of prophecy, maybe a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and how to apply it into their life. They need the best gift. And Paul says, desire the best gift. And you know what? We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And my understanding is then the Holy Spirit, according to as he wishes, not to a person, but looking over the situation, sees, ah, here's a person that needs healing. Right over in that corner there, there's a person that needs healing, right? Those three, four rows right in there needs healing. And he says, you know, I don't need a prophetic word for that person over there. They need healing. Stir that gift up. Be open to let God do what he needs in that area there. And then he gives the gift to you if you're open to let him use you. you. Say, I don't have the gift. You've got the Holy Spirit. If you've invited the extra dimension, the extra power of the Holy, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Expect that it will be there. And then expect that when the need is there, he will let you minister. And sometimes you have to actually stir it up because we're not even sensitive to the need. And we have to say, okay, God, is there something that today, in this small group, we were talking about the small group ministry, is there something as our small group is getting together and we're just studying the word of God and focusing on the scriptures, we're praising and worshiping, we're thinking, oh, there's going to be this great coffee cake after and fellowship. But in the midst of that, is there something you want to do today? Is there something you want to say to these people? Is there something that I have to stir up and openness to God and say, God, work through me so that lives will be touched. If not, what he wants to do won't get accomplished and we'll miss out. I was in a meeting uh, very similar. Well, it was similar to this, except there were lots of unbelievers. And uh, so we were doing some skits and some dramas and some songs and and because uh, that's our team was doing that that we that we and then we were going to watch the Jesus video that's what we were doing and in the midst of that just before we got to the Jesus video I said you know God wants to minister I I thought I thought I should stir up the gift and so I I thought God wants to minister to some people and I thought okay what does He want to do and I felt I felt He wants to bring healing to somebody with their on their toe their big toe. And so I said, there's somebody here, and there's maybe 400 people there. So I thought, that's pretty good odds. I mean, somebody's got to have a bad toe. <sighs> that's bad thinking, bad thinking, you know, but you know, I'll make it easier in myself. Don't embarrass me, you know. Somebody, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> you know, so carnal. But anyway, so, so I said, you know, there's somebody here that God wants to bring healing to your big toe. Who's that person? Just put up your hand, and we're going to pray for you just... Put up your hand, and we're going to pray. You know, so I said, somebody here, and nobody put up their hand. I said, well, there's some other things, and uh, but uh, where's that person with the big toe? I mean, there were some other things we ministered, some jossish situation, whatever. And nobody put up, nobody put up their, their hand. And so then we, I said, well, you're here. Where are you? I don't, I'm trusting they are. Either that or I'm missing God, which isn't uncommon. You know, but I'm prepared to be stupid because... I am. So, you know, so there I am, and nobody shows up. And so we watched the Jesus video and said, okay, we're going to pray for marriages. And so if you need help in your marriages, come forward. We've got a team here. We're going to pray for your marriages. And we're going to pray for finances. If you want financial situations, come on up. We're going to pray for that. And um, then we prayed for other areas of healing. And, and at the end, as we're packing up and leaving, this man comes up to me, and he says, you know, I've got a problem with my big toe. And I said, 
oh, you must be the one. He said, well, maybe. I said, uh, are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Jesus? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, no. I said, oh, all right. I said, well, well, uh, you know, I, God didn't say there's a Christian who he wanted to bring healing. I just sensed a big toe. And so I, I said, well, I'm going to pray for your big toe. Is that all right? He said, yeah. Well, that's why he came forward. So I prayed that God would touch his big toe. I said, well, now wiggle your toe around a little bit. How does it feel? And he's wiggling his toe. And, wiggle some more and all of a sudden there's this excitement he says the pain is gone the pain is gone I said well would you like to invite Jesus into your life now he said oh yeah oh yeah I led him in a prayer he invited Jesus Christ into his life I was not in that community so I introduced him to the pastor so we could get engaged in the church now here's the thing was I made a fool of initially Where's the person? Nobody's there. But had I not taken the time to stir up the gift, this man would not have been healed. If he had not have been healed, he would not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's something about this and something that's in my heart is, you know, I don't want to take advantage of people. I don't want to set them up in some way that this is, this is going to happen and, and it doesn't. But there's a life that needs to be touched. And I dare not fail to stir up something because these lives are important and they're precious. And this, this, I mean, this man did not know Jesus and he left. Yes, his, his toe was healed, but he knew Jesus Christ. He was not prepared to respond to Jesus Christ. After the Jesus video, after our songs and our skits and everything, he did not want to respond to Jesus Christ. But God knew that his toe needed to be touched. And when his toe was touched, then he would make a commitment to Jesus. And if we don't stir up the gift, if we make excuses and say, well, that's not me. Pastor Ian could do it. Well, Pastor Ian wasn't there. Somebody has to do it. And God says, you, the power is given to you. It's an absolute thing. You are my people. I will give you my spirit. I will give my power to you. And I will set you up into situations where you will be a witness. If you will just say, I'll trust you, Jesus. It might not be easy. It might, I might feel like a fool, but I'll trust you. And if it blows up and it gets ugly, I'll still trust that you love me. And you'll be there with me. When I lose my job because I was praying for somebody, I'll trust that you will still be there. And see, there's something about we make excuses and we say, well, well, isn't that dangerous? I mean, isn't that dangerous that I went and I spoke over this person and this one and this one? Isn't that dangerous? Couldn't I be ruining their lives? And that's true, it could be. But here's the thing, and we need to teach our people, we need to keep this in our mind. The more that God speaks to us by His Spirit, whether it's personally, or through somebody else, the more that it affects our life, the more it needs to be judged and evaluated by those that are around us. And so it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, you prophets, one or two of you can speak and let the others judge and evaluate. And if the prophetic words through prophets needs to be judged, then what about a simpleton like me? And so then 
I don't remember your name, but you know what I spoke over to you. You know, you need to bring it to those who you're accountable to and say, does this line up? I'm not going to change my life. I'm not going to go off to Africa because somebody said something unless my spouse says, yeah, and my pastor says, yeah, I think it's time for you to go to Africa. But if they're not saying that, as much as God might have said it, and it might not be the timing, it's evaluated by those around. And that's the safeguard to keep people from being manipulated or we're just nice thoughts, but it's not really God. It needs to be evaluated. And so you need to talk with your husband and you need to talk with your, your wife. Does this apply? And, and talk with the pastoral team and say, how does this apply to my life? That's why it was recorded. And you'll get a copy of that so you can keep record of it. And then I'm accountable too. You can say, well, Pastor Keith, don't bring him back. He's, he's a false prophet. We need to kill him or don't bring him back. But... <laughs> You know, whatever, but don't bring them back. And that's fine. You know, I, I need to be accountable too. I need to, everything I say needs to be judged and evaluated. But that's the safeguard. And we, because we don't want to hurt lives, but we don't want to miss opportunities where God can work through us. So the third thing is we want, we want to stir up the gift. We want to deal with some of these excuses. And there's more that we could say, you know, I don't qualify. But none of us qualify. None of us are good enough. None of us have our lives in order enough. We're all flawed, but God chooses us in our weakness. And it's not because we're mature, by the way. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not because of maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, he says, you know, I, I'd like to talk to you about more things, but you are so carnal-minded. You are so earthly-minded, I can't talk to you about some of these things. And yet later on, he says, you come behind, you fall behind in none of the gifts. They function in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they were not mature at all. I mean, there was immorality, there was incest, there was, uh, you know, taking each other to court, there was a, a party spirit where we're better than you and we're not going to eat with you poor people. There was a whole bunch of corruption that was taking place in the church, yet they function in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, maturity is shown by the fruit of the Spirit. It's not by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you just have to be open to God and let God work through you. You can be stupid like me, but you have to be, to, maturity is shown by are you, the love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the kindness and the long-suffering and the self-control. Jesus speaks and he says, there's going to be false prophets. They're going to be saying this and do, doing that. He says, but you will know them by their fruit. Do they exercise the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Not just when they're, you're nice, but in the times of difficulty. When that person cut you off, and the, how do they react? Are they, or, or is there love and kindness flowing through you? That's maturity, and that's when that's what God's that's sign of maturity. Okay, so then, oh, here we are. Help you to hear. That's point three. Okay, well, one of the key things, you know, in the life of Jesus, uh, Jesus says in in John chapter uh, John chapter five, and also John chapter eight. He says, he says, I don't say anything but what I hear my Father in heaven say. And I don't do anything but what I see my Father doing in the heavens. And there's, there's this thing about if we are going to be effective, if we're going to let God work through us, we need to be able to hear his voice. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by Satan to turn the stones into bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live, right up there, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when we hear from God, 
life comes. Life comes to us and life comes to others. But if we're not hearing from God, then everything else that we see around us distracts us and keeps us from focusing on what we need to focus on. Beginning of this week, I was, I was sharing with Kirby. Uh, you know, I, I think I said I'm not too bright. Did I say that? I'm not, I'm not very smart. Oh, at the beginning of the week, I had, um, was in this meeting, and we're discussing some things and looking for some different solutions for things. And I said, well, maybe we should do this. We should do this and do this and do this. And at the end of my, my idea, the rest of the pastoral team looked at me and said, Keith, that is the stupidest thing we could ever do. I mean, why would we ever want to do that? I thought it was the best idea in the world. They all looked at me and said, that is the stupidest thing we could ever do. And I thought about it. I thought, what? And I thought, oh, yeah, that is so stupid. <laughs> it was so stupid. That is so stupid. And then, then I'm getting older, uh, and I'm forgetting people's names, and I'm forgetting lots of stuff. And I'm thinking, Keith, you're getting so absent-minded. You can't remember people's names. You can't remember details. You can't remember policies. Keith, you are, you're getting so old. I don't think, God, I, I'm starting to think, I don't think God can work through me anymore. And so that was Monday, and through Tuesday, my heart was so heavy. I was just thinking, you know what, maybe I should quit the ministry. Now, God already said, other times, don't do that. You don't do them. I thought, you know what, I, I just, I don't want to hurt people. I should just, I should just pull away. I should just quit. I mean, just resign and walk away. And you, sometimes we feel like quitting things, just pulling away. It's too painful. And it, I was really feeling the pain. Now, they weren't trying to attack me or anything. I got a great team. They were just being honest. That was stupid. And the truth of it was, it was stupid, you know. But I was taking it personal. And then on Wednesday, I was just, I was just, my heart was so heavy. I was just dragging myself around. I said, God, God, God. And, and then I felt God speak to me. And he said, Keith, do you trust me? And I said, well, yeah, Lord, I, of course I trust you. And then he said again, well, Keith, do you trust me? I said, well, Lord, of course I trust you. And then he said, Keith, do you trust me? And I said, well, yes, I trust me. And then he said, do you trust that I can work through your weakness? Do you trust that I can work in your bungling and in your stupidity? Do you trust that I'm greater than you are in your weakness? And when he said that, then all of a sudden, because I would say, yeah, I trust you, Jesus. But all of a sudden, he gave perspective, and the heaviness on my heart lifted. Why? Because God spoke to me. And that was a personal thing. And God wants to speak to each of us personally in our devotion time and in our time of worship and in the messages and in our sharing with others. He wants to speak to us. And Jesus said... That when he speaks, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. And when he speaks, life comes to us. But life also comes to others, too, when we're hearing what he's speaking and we minister accordingly to others. And so we need to stir up, and, we need, and that means we need to take time and say, okay, God, I need to hear your voice. And the question is many times, how long do I have? I need to quit now? I got 10? Okay, good. I, 10 will do, <laughs> I think. Uh, I didn't see when we started. So uh, the, the challenge is sometimes we say, well, I just don't sense God. I don't sense God. You know, I, I don't sense him. I don't, you're talking about hearing his voice. I don't hear anything. 
but God. Jesus speaks in John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And there's five times in John chapter 15, he talks about he is the shepherd and they hear his voice and they follow him. A stranger's voice, they will not follow. The thief's voice, they don't know that voice. But this voice of the shepherd, they hear his voice. And if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then God wants to start speaking to you. You say, well, but I don't hear him. I, I don't sense him. He Sometimes he does it in various different ways. Like when I minister prophetically, if I, I, I try to sense him, sometimes he'll, he'll give impressions or sometimes I can feel people's pain. Fellow over here, you'll start to feel their pain. You'll feel the heaviness of your heart and you'll feel the emotional pain. And sometimes it's just as you're talking, you'll feel that and you'll know there's something there. They might have a smile on their face, but you'll feel the pain that's underneath there. And you'll be able to start to ask questions. What's happening in your life? Everything's great. No, no, what's really happening? No, no, everything's good. No, what's really happening? And you, Because you feel there's something there I need to press into. That's, why, that's what makes you special. You've got that sensitivity. That's a good thing. You'll sense that, and then you'll know. You can just feel that. Other times, you, you, just, you can see things in pictures. Sometimes when I'm praying for people, I can, as I'm praying, I see a picture. It's not about what I'm praying for. They say, you know, I want you to pray for my finances, so you're praying for their finances. And then as you're, you're, sometimes I'll just feel, man, I just feel like I want to pray for, for their marriage. But they ask for finances, so I'm praying for their, their finances and jobs. But I feel I need to pray for their marriage. And you feel something. Sometimes when my eyes are closed and I'm praying, I'll see scripture. Sometimes I'll just hear, a, 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 I'll see a picture. Sometimes I'll just hear something. And that's sometimes how he speaks. But sometimes he wants to speak in other ways. But we're so busy. We're busy in mind that we don't hear his voice. How, some of you were raised in a Christian family or you have children, prayer time around the meal. You say, all right, kids, fold your hands and close your eyes. Why do you tell your kids to do that? Because if their eyes are open, they're looking at the food on the table. If their hands aren't folded, they're grabbing the food at the table. And they say, Mommy, Billy took the food. He wasn't supposed to be praying. He took the food. and I didn't get that. Because they're looking for the biggest piece, you know. And so why do we say, close your eyes and fold your hands? I mean, Jesus says, watch and pray. And we tell our kids to close their eyes. We lift up holy hands in prayer. And we say, fold your hands. Why do we tell children that? Because we don't want them to get distracted. But when we pray, we get distracted. We, no, not, not in our prayers because we, we say, God, give me this and I want this and please do this and, and I really need some more money and, and help in this situation in the job because it's falling apart and I'm falling apart on the job. And we're praying, but are we listening? And then when, when it comes to listening, then we're thinking about the job and our finances and this situation where I'm falling apart and they're attacking me and that's all we can think about. And, and Jesus speaks about this parable of the sower, the word, the word going forth, and because of busyness and the cares of the world, the word is not received into the heart. And he wants to speak his word, but because of the busyness and the cares of the world, we aren't able to do it. So with our children, we say, okay, fold your hands and close your eyes. That doesn't work for us adults, because I can fold my hands and close my eyes. I'm still thinking about the job and my finances. And what am I going to say to those pastors who made fun of me on Monday? I'm, what am I going to say? I'm just going to say, why you see? No, I'm not going to do that, because that wouldn't be mature. I'm loving and kind and patient. And, 
forgiving and merciful and have self-control. I'm going to be, I'm going to bless my enemies. And they're not my enemies. I'm going to even bless them. But my mind is, so what do I need to do? Sometimes we need to focus our mind on something. And sometimes I encourage people, I ask them the question, I said, if you could meet with Jesus anywhere, where would you like to meet with him? In the spring, I was in the jail. Oh, that was, <laughs> sounds bad, but I was ministering in, in, uh, in our uh, government penitentiary at Stony Mountain. There's a group of 20 inmates, and I was talking to them about hearing God and sensing God. And I, I said, if you could meet with God anywhere, where would it be? And I said, and not, I'm not talking, and not, not talking anywhere, but in here. I said, where, you know, where would you like to meet with God? And one said, you know, I'd like to be at a sushi restaurant. And he'd be on the other side. I said, you want to eat sushi with Jesus? He said, yeah, if I could meet with Jesus at a sushi restaurant, that'd be fine. I said, great. Another one said, you know, if I could be walking through a forest, and, and it's kind of a rainforest, and there, there's different birds and the vines, and just Jesus is right next to me. If, he could, if I could have him right there. Another one said, if I could picture Jesus with me, I'd like to see him on a beach and be walking along the beach and the waves are crashing and he'd be right there with me. I said, okay, if you could meet Jesus anywhere, picture him in your mind in that special place. And why do I want him to do that? I want him to picture Jesus so they're looking at Jesus instead of thinking about the jailer and the other inmate who's about to attack him when they walk through the range. Uh, but they're focusing on Jesus so that it's not hands folded and eyes closed. But they're thinking about Jesus. And then ask Jesus, what would you like to tell me? Look at Jesus in your mind. You're not distracted because you're focusing on him. What would you like to say to me? What would you like to say in this situation? Jesus, what would you like to give me? Jesus, what would you like me to give you? One of the inmates at the end said, so did, did you sense Jesus saying anything to you? He said, no. Not a thing. I said, Jesus didn't speak to you? Not a thing. I said, did you feel anything? He said, oh, I felt such love. I felt such peace. Another inmate said, Jesus said, I care about you. And tears started to run down his face. I care about you. Four words. That's all Jesus said. Tears were running down his face because he heard from Jesus. That was just personal. What I want you to do right now, just take a moment of time. Where would you like to meet with Jesus? One person said, oh, if he would just on a chair, and I could just put my head on his shoulder. I said, picture yourself there on that sofa with your head on the shoulder of Jesus. Picture yourself there. Where would you like to meet with Jesus? Close your eyes and picture yourself there with Jesus. And then ask him a question. We're going to give you an opportunity. Just put away the distractions. Close your eyes. Picture yourself with Jesus wherever you'd like to be. Picture yourself right there with Jesus. And ask him, what would you like to say to me? Or what would you like to give me? Or do you want, you want to give me to give you? And then just wait and see what he says. Let's just listen. Okay, now maybe God spoke to you. Maybe Jesus. And you say, well, is Jesus the Holy Spirit? They're all going to say the same thing. Don't get just bent out of shape as Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's God speaking to you. 
Maybe he spoke to you. Maybe you say, well, you didn't speak, say anything, but maybe there was something you were supposed to feel. Maybe you're supposed to feel his presence or the warmth of his joy upon you. Maybe there's something that he wanted you to give to him. Maybe you say, I just sensed nothing. There was nothing there. Don't be distraught by that. You can go home when nobody else is around and try it again and then try it again. He will start to speak to you. And then he'll start to speak to you, not just about yourself, but other things you're supposed to do, situations, how you're supposed to respond in loving and caring and forgiving in gentle ways. He'll speak to you in living ways, and it'll bring life to you. And then it'll start to flow out of you to others. And that'll enable you to function effectively as witnesses and under the power of God. You say, well, maybe I'm going to step out and it's going to be embarrassed. You know, I know all about that. <laughs> I've got so many embarrassing stories I could tell you of failures. But the other side, if we don't step out, nothing will happen. And those lives that need to be touched and healed and ministered to, they won't be ministered to. And his kingdom won't grow. And maybe you are embarrassed. So what? It's only your pride that's hurt. You were hoping that they would like you, and they don't like you. They like you less. But who really likes you because you choose to trust in him? And you got closer to Jesus. Maybe they won't love you, but he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing will separate you from my love. Nothing. And you will draw closer to his love and to him, and that will be a good thing. You say, well, I, I prayed for my boss, and now I got fired. Well, if you were hoping that you'd pray for him, you'd get a job promotion, wrong motive. Maybe he's challenging your motives. And you say, maybe money is not the most important thing. Maybe I need to be prepared to obey my Jesus to the best of my ability, in my stupidity and my simple-mindedness and my forgetfulness and my, you know, my flawed nature. I'm, I'm still going to obey him, and I'm going to trust him that he will provide for my finances. Maybe I'm going to do it, and my pastor's not going to like me. Then I'm going I'm to apologize and say, please forgive me, pastor. And I'll humble myself, and that will be all right for me, too. And God will work. The last thing. So first of all, stir up. Come on, stir up. God wants to work through you. Second thing, don't make excuses. Deal with all those things. We've dealt with them. Third thing, start listening. Then start acting according as he speaks. And it needs to be judged and evaluated. I understand that. But start functioning. And the last thing, point number one, four, four I'm going to release you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm closing off right now. Heavenly Father, these are great and wonderful people. They need to stir up the power of you, the gift of you, the sensitivity to you, so that they will indeed do what you've said. They would walk in the power of you. They will be witnesses to the areas all around them, oh God. You're the, you have the spirit in the house in the church. Help them to walk with a greater confidence, a greater anticipation that you are going to work through. Not because they're perfect, but because you want to work through flawed people so that you get the glory. Take away their fear. Encourage their hearts. Strengthen them in a special way. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.